Welcome to ISA's Arborviews podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Bob Polemsky, your host on this episode of Arborviews. Gordon Mann is a registered consulting arborist, municipal specialist, certified urban forester, and urban forest services director for man-made resources located in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. Today we'll be talking about how arbors play a key role in sustainable urban forestry. Hello, Gordon, and thank you so much for joining us in Arborview today. Thanks, Bob. Well, uh, Gordon, you've got a really interesting career, 33 years of experience involved in urban and community forest management and public administration. And today, I would like you to talk about, start with the definition of what is urban and community forestry. I try and keep my definitions really simple. So my definition of urban and community forestry is the management of trees where people live for the benefits to people. Very short and succinct. Now, how can we work sustainable in there uh, when we start talking about the idea of creating a sustainable urban community forest environment? To add sustainable, I would say a sustainable urban and community forestry program is the management of trees where people live for the benefits to people at a low cost and high return on investment. Excellent, Gordon. Very good. And so now, just wondering, how how can arborists, how are people like yourself uh, trying to make urban and community forestry sustainable? Well, I think for most of the people in the municipal sector, the budget crisis has caused us to really focus more on sustainability. One of the key things that we can really focus on is the return on investment from trees. Trees have to be considered infrastructure. They're not just some nice little thing like a piece of painting on the wall. They're actually public infrastructure that affects many resources we have from air quality to stormwater mitigation, energy conservation, and they have all the other benefits that we can go over, but it's a long list. <laughs> and that's why I try to keep my definition short so we don't try and talk about the list. We talk about the benefits. So by having a high return on investment, we can demonstrate that the money we put into the program actually provides a greater value than the investment in the program. It, but I, th I think that could be a hard sell for folks. And I was just curious, how would, whether you're a private consultant or a municipal forester, how do you convince people that, I know we've got this whole list of all these fabulous economic, social uh, benefits that trees impart. Um, and there are dollar, dollar values associated with this, but how do you go about convincing these people uh, about that, that value? We're really fortunate with the iTree suite of, of software that's been developed by the U.S. Forest Service and their partners. And the iTree suite allows us to look at either whole communities through the eco program or just individuals or the, the the inventory of street trees through the streets program. And basically it will tell you what your replacement value cost of the trees are, the benefits they provide in air quality, stormwater management, carbon sequestration, and energy conservation. And we can use those to really frame the replacement cost of, of the resource. So if you have a small city, maybe your resource is three or four million dollars. If you have a large city, like the city of Portland is valued the urban forest at 1.1 billion dollars. It's really easy to go to your elected officials and say, are we going to waste a $1.1 billion investment of public resources, or are we going to do something here to help keep it working? Well, Gordon, that's a really good argument, and uh, I just also want to go a little bit further because I, I still wonder about that, that resident John and Mary Q. Public. 
you know, who uh, you are trying to uh, convince them about the importance of trees. But I just thought, could it be also, uh, could it differ based on where you are in the country? You've, you've served in three municipalities in Brookfield, Illinois, and San Mateo, California, Redwood City, California. Do you think there might be demographic differences, socioeconomic differences, where maybe it's an easier sell in California, perhaps, versus Illinois or South Carolina, or I'm from? Well, have you th- have you thought about that? There's definitely differences in the regions of the country and how trees are viewed, and part of it is the benefits come in for how trees are viewed. In Sacramento, California, the trees are valued for their shade contribution and for their energy conservation. In San Francisco, California, they're valued because they screen the foggy skies all day, and you can look it up at green during the summertime. Okay, okay so, so I think very practical uh, applications there. And just wanted you uh, to impart some of the advice. I mean, after doing this stuff now, you're, you're in your 33rd year, 33rd year of, of doing this uh, municipal uh, urban community forest management work. What advice do you have for arborists and other municipalities? In I know uh, many of our arborists associated with ISA are familiar with iTrees, but do you have any other pointers that would help uh, municipal arborists in particular try to create these sustainable programs, also being able to sell the message of trees to the residents of these communities? A long-term urban forestry program should have six components just keeping it simple. The first one would be an inventory so we can manage what we... We have to know what we have so we can manage it. You can't manage what you don't know. The second is that we want to have species diversity. The the major catastrophes in urban forestry like Dutch elm disease and emerald ash borer, they're all named after one either species or genus. And so if you don't have diversity, we leave ourselves open to those catastrophic losses. The third one is age diversity. If all the trees are old at one time we may not be able to replace the shade in a very short period of time. If all the trees are brand new, then we don't grow them, then we'll never have the old larger trees, and the iTree data shows that the larger trees are more valuable than the smaller trees, and they're more valuable than the medium trees. So we want to have a good series of large trees, but we also have to have those new trees coming in because we just can't plant them tomorrow and, and reach that big size. The next one is you have to have a maintenance program, and since trees are infrastructure and they're an asset, just like changing the oil in your car so your engine doesn't blow up, you have to invest a little bit of maintenance in the trees to keep them healthy and growing. The next one would be that we have to have an incident response. We often have storms and other things that happen. We have to have a way to deal with the carnage and things that might happen, whether it's a broken branch or a storm. And the last one is, and this is probably one of the newer ones in urban forest management, is there has to be some way of dealing with the wood once those large trees are grown and now we're starting to remove them. Is If we don't do something sustainable with the wood, we're just either throwing it away or wasting it or putting it in the landfill. We're losing all those benefits of carbon sequestration we've gained over the life of the tree. Gordon, that was brilliant. And uh, if we talk just very briefly about that last component about dealing with the wood, I mean, I thought I'd just recall hearing uh, that there's some communities actually using some of the wood as biofuel, uh, sort of recycling that wood into other products. There's a lot of opportunities for using the urban wood waste. The easiest ones are probably the wood chips because we're always filling chips up, whether it's from um, grinding whole trees or grinding branches through pruning maintenance. And there's 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 different places to use that for mulch and also for biofuels, uh, cogen plants. But the really the bigger ones are when the trees are really large, is there a way to use the lumber? Some of our woods have very fine grains and things like that. And the biggest problem we have is 
we have the trees, but where do we, how do we collect them or store them or hold them and make them available in, in mass to make it economic to do the work? Uh, we, you can always give the logs away and spend money to haul them so somebody can use the wood, but then you're, you're not putting value to that resource and you're also spending a lot of money to do something that you could probably dispose of cheaper. So we have to work out a good system for maybe grading the materials and how we can store them, maybe cooperating with cities and state agencies that have land places we can store the wood temporarily until either the mill can come in or some other resource can be done that can manage the wood. And those are things that people are talking about doing. There's a lot of portable mills out there that people are using now, but it's it's still in its infancy stage and we, we I think we're we're missing a big resource that we could take advantage of. Well Gordon, those six points you made, I just hope that those folks listening to our views will pay particular attention to that because there's no doubt that uh, all the experience you have has resulted in these six really key components that would lead to sustainable urban and community forestry. Well, Gordon, it's been a, a pleasure uh, discussing this topic with you today on Arbor Views. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Bob. You're welcome. Well, Gordon Mann, he is a registered consulting arborist, a municipal specialist, a certified urban forester, and urban forest services director for Man-Made Resources located in Auburn, California. Mm -hmm.